Hello and welcome to this episode of Zap to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I'm joined as ever by Graham Raddings. If you don't know and you have not listened before, this is a podcast where we talk about games that were released for the Commodore 64, whilst also taking a brief look at what was going on in UK music, film and TV back in the 1980s. We are using the magazine Zap64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap64 itself. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the games reviewed in issue 8 of Zap64, which was the very mild and wet month of December 1985. Graham, tell us what we can expect in this episode. In this festive field episode, we decorate our tree with scarabaeus tinsel, find the broken tree lights with Frank Bruno's boxing, and have trouble hanging the schizophrenia baubles due to a stepladder. We also invert our brains with Batalix, get zippy with Zed, and poke our finger through the cheap wrapping paper of Zyto and Doriath. We even wonder if Cliff Richard is a prophet. Goodness, what was in that eggnog? Mmm, a lot to look forward to there. <laughs> so, let's crack on. Our first game this month... <laughs> <laughs> you weren't expecting that. You weren't expecting that. Reminded me of that Skeksis <laughs> and Dark Crystal <laughs> sound. All of a sudden, Skeksis was in the room. Mm, a lot to look forward mm. to. Get mm. <laughs> <Gay> things. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, yes, there is a lot to look forward to here. Uh, let's crack on. And our first game this month is Scarabaeus. <laughs> I don't know why I went Welsh. <laughs> it's not set in Wales. It really is. What is going on? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Scarabaeus. <laughs> He's twi- one of them he turned weeks, into a, a burly Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them weeks. <laughs> Scarabaeus. 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 Scarabaeus is our first game that we're looking at. So this is the uh, the big game. It's not the cover game. Uh, the cover game... Uh, actually, it's not a cover game. It's a cover... For the magazine this month was uh, a Zoid, uh, the mighty Zoidzilla, uh, which was covered in a preview somewhere. So you know, it's Oliver Frey uh, doing a Zoid. Did they? Good, was, it's good was, Zoid. That, was that the? Did that change to doing that all the time from going from covers about mm. the games to covers about preview games? Did that? Was that a permanent change? Because they did that with Wizardry as well. They did, yeah. I mean, well, last last month was Paradroid, so no. All right, all right, fair enough. Answers that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had Paradroid. Now, this is just bizarre because I think, obviously, I don't know. I mean, you could have done a, I'd have thought you could have done quite a good one for Scarabaeus. Yeah, really. I need to go out with I that. I mean, absolutely. But no, with the cover is a, a Zoid getting, I think it's, it's either getting shot in the mouth or shooting out of its mouth. It's hard to tell. Right. Uh, looks good. Yeah, it looks good. It's a big, it's a big dinosaur robot head. But anyway, it's not Scarabaeus, that's for sure. No. Because Scarabaeus is something. Very, very different. What is Scarabaeus? Scarabaeus was from Andromeda Games, if I remember rightly. It is... Right, okay, so it's a strange game, so bear with us here, sort of thing. Scarabaeus is a, it's a very good game. Let's get that out of the way first. We're going to be, I'm going to be quite positive here, sort of thing. This is a uh, an atmospheric Egyptian-style maze chase puzzle thing game. Um, it's the closest I can get to pigeonhole in this. It's a, it's a, it's a first-person game, which is unusual in this part, you know, this in 1985. Uh, first person 3D at that sort of thing, and not only that, first person pretty fast and decent 3D as well. You you basically you find yourself you play a little I don't know you an astronaut. You seem to have a spacesuit on when you enter the pyramid mm. in the intro sequence. It lands in a rocket. Astro- yeah, it lands in a rocket, sort of round rocket type thing. You've got an you've got a spacesuit on. You go you there's an open door into a pyramid type thing. There's a, you have a dog that follows you in and you wander in. What the game doesn't tell you is that as you wander in, uh, you get bitten by a spider. Um, and that's why your health is going down constantly throughout this game. So far, so strange, I guess. It doesn't get, you know, any more obvious. So 
the game starts and you find yourself with a first person view around a you know a basic 3d 3d maze and you can wander around it in first person at a pretty decent click um you can turn left or right you can't strafe, so there's none of that sort of thing. Because obviously, with a joystick, you can move forward, you can turn left or right and look around. So this first part of the game, there are multiple flaws to this. Basically, I think you're going down in a pyramid or you're going up a pyramid. I think you're going down because the floors get bigger. Um, so that would imply to me that the floor, you know, you're going down because if you're going up in a pyramid, the floors would get smaller because um, yes. that's how physics works. Um, <laughs> and, and, and room and sort of thing, unless, you know, Lawrence or Alan Bowen would tell us differently, I guess. I don't know. So... You wander around this maze. There is a floating enemy. It's supposed to be a mummy of some description, but it's kind of a strange sort of cryptic type of enemy. You wander into it, and if you've got to basically chase this enemy down nine times, and then you get nine glyphs for your, I don't know what it is, your pocket display that you can look at at any point by pressing the space bar. Um, you can bring up a map at any point. The map is in real time, so the game doesn't stop. You pull back on the joystick to bring up a map. Um, and essentially what you've got to do is just chase this down. And once you've chased it down, nine times all good go to the elevator and then you have to crank the elevator around 15 times um i, I counted to get to the next floor if you let go of the uh, elevator at any point sort of thing you go crashing back down to the floor which i don't know maybe you are going up i don't know it's mind-bending physics do crash too much in the elevator and you will die because you lose health so you get to the next floor the next floor is a big much bigger floor okay um on this floor you've got to solve a series of puzzles that are guarded by spiders using the glyph things that you found in the previous floor to try and work out whether to absorb them take them as vials or something or other i'm going to be honest this was kind of as far as i got because it's it's quite obtuse you need to spend a bit of time trying to really get into it and understand it however my time with it i thoroughly enjoyed this is a really as i said at first start it's that really atmospheric for for a Commodore. we don't say this about many commodore 64 games but this generates a, a, a genuine atmosphere um and best best played for and strangely enough sort of thing it has a decent tune in it turn the music off press m and you are greeted with some really nice just heartbeat and uh, and breathing sound effects um which i think add a, add a really nice atmosphere to this game the visuals are really nice i don't know it's, it's just it, it's it's unusual it stands out um we've not played i've not played anything in, you know in the eight issues we've covered so far i've we've not played anything like this really i don't think uh the closest we saw to any kind of decent well <laughs> decent uh was view to a kill wash your mouth out <laughs> Uh, that's the only thing, you know, Paris, brown Paris, to match his brown leather jacket. But, <laughs> you know, this is this is, this is is really good. And this, I think there's a lot to try and work out. You've got to work out in that second phase what glyphs you have on your on your pad and whether the, when you open up, the, when you dodge the spiders to open up the, the pads behind them, whether they're actually the same, so whether you can absorb them or not, or whether you will take damage. So it's all very eclectic and doesn't really tell you very much. You've got to use your brain and work this out. It's good. I mean, it worked really well and, and, and Zap really liked it. Um, obviously, they gave it 96%. I think this stands up pretty well today. I, re I remember enjoying this. Not really knowing what the hell I was doing back in 1985, I have to say, or 1986, whenever I played it. A little bit more research. I understood it a little bit better, but it's still hard and weird and odd. Um, and yeah, I, I like this. You? What did you think? You tell me. Yes, I liked it. It reminded me of the, kind of the 3D Monster Maze. Do you know that old game with the... I've seen it yes, on different yeah. platforms. It's basically that. So, But the 3D was fast, nice, colourful. Graphics were really cool, really good. Really good gameplay, really atmospheric. And it's kind of the atmosphere that really gets you into it. So, you know, you feel like once that rocket ship lands and you're in that tomb and the door closes behind you, you know, after that, it feels like you're quite under, under quite a lot of pressure because, you know, you're running around, you're looking at your map. There's that creatures that are wandering around on those floors, which are um, mummies, I think, on the first floor, 
aren't they? And then later down, yeah. you get spiders, and then you later you get zombies, and the zombies follow you around, which is horrific. So it, it, it gets quite hard and difficult. But that said, it's worth persevering with because the payoff is that it's actually quite a nice first-person exploring game, and as you say, it runs at a good pace. So it's not like it's juddery and has that kind of sort of horrible. And I, you know, I hesitate to mention a game that's before before, but uh, not before this. Sorry, but I hesitate to mention a game that um, we haven't reviewed yet. But Driller, when it comes later, has worse 3D than this, which is odd. I suppose it's on bigger scale. Bats, by the by. This is a fast, nice maze game. It could easy have been boring, this, if it was just wandering around that maze. If it was just that, it could have become boring. But it wasn't just that. There's quite a lot of things to go at. The whole puzzle thing is quite clever, the way you have to combine different vials and different um, things to make either the antidote or the poisons um, and then decide whether you're going to drink them. The whole point, of course, is to get the scarabaeus, uh, the ancient treasure, out of the tomb in the first place. Um, so you've got to reveal those puzzles and then you've got to survive all the hostile monsters that will try and kill you. Before you. I thought it was really good. And it's funny, it's not a game I really played at all back in the day. So, And I don't really know why. I would have been well into this, I think. But I just it, for some reason, it just elided me completely or maybe I just avoided it. I remember reading a lot about it and people talking about it and I just it just never came on my radar and that is in the whole history of me owning the Commodore 64 I just never got to it so I was pleased to revisit it and had a good time with it yeah good and the atmosphere was really good you're right the music aside when you put that breathing and your heartbeat on and you've got that little health meter haven't you like a ticker tape that runs in the corner yeah, the, yeah. so the graphic yeah. display on this the GUI is actually very 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 clever yes um, it is the puzzles take some figuring out but you know w- wouldn't be a very good puzzle game if it was just a wander around the maze easy puzzle <laughs> you know what it you know it, is, it takes some thinking about and I quite like that because you do feel that there's a lot to explore it could easily have been repetitive and it's not so i really enjoyed it um definitely worthy of the of the honors that it got in zap i think it still would stand up to this day i've seen a lot worse first person games than that yeah it's quite you know we use we use the term not very often sort of thing but it's pretty cinematic mm. um like i said it has that nice intro where you the door closes behind yeah. you it doesn't do much in the, like you said the, the gui is quite nice it's just down that right hand side isn't it you've got the door slowly opening behind your character is your health yeah. The ticker tape is your, you know, your heart rate. There's lots of clever things going on here. The the ability just to, um, like I said, to just pull back to see the map. The map is in real time, which is something like Zombie U or you know the Dark Souls games, which don't pause. I think it's you know echoes of that, I suppose, back in 1985. This this is you know you could see whoever the people behind this, I think, sort of thing had a definitive vision of what they wanted to do and and how they wanted to present it and and what they what what they felt like a game could be. Um, and I think they they've pulled it off quite quite well. I I would I would have no hesitation in recommending this to people now i think this is a fun game to actually sort of play around and and bang your head against and see how far you can get because it's hard and yes i did forget to say that you're you're actually the scarabaeus is the thing you're going after isn't it yeah it's the the, it's the the jewel you're after yeah the beetle Um, jewel yeah the beetle jewel um yeah i I give this a i give this a hearty thumbs up like i said it it was something that i I remember the problem was back in 1986 whenever i played this sort of thing was that I just didn't really know what I was doing. And, and, you know, I think that was my issue then. Having a bit more of a clue now, you know, just with the resources of the internet to kind of help a little bit, it, it felt, oh, right, okay, I get this now. This, mm. this feels cohesive um, because it really does. There's very little there to, we'll play a game in the next part, which has a similar, you know, lack of telling you what to do, but doesn't get it quite as right. No. Uh, in, in my in my opinion but this is just you know it's great and, and as I said as a, as a technical demonstration of what the C64 could do this is, this is pretty good yeah really absolutely good. That, th- that 3D is great and yes it does it does owe um, itself to the, the ZX81 title you know 3D monster maze with the T-Rex mm. chasing you around but in this and I think you know the first thing is this t- turns it on ahead because at first I was running away from the, the yeah. uh, mummy I thought that was the whole point to just escape it but actually no you've got to catch it nine times yeah, and that's right. try, trying to track it down and seeing your little glyph fill up and wondering what the hell all these things mean 
got a nice, nice thematic style. You know, it really embraces that Egyptian, mm. um, that ancient Egypt style sort of thing, and ne- never really deviates from it. Um, no. it's, you know, you feel like you know you compare this with something like obviously not a similar game, but a similar style and like Entombed. Mm. This feels a lot, a lot more cohesive. It Should does. I think that they capture that look of Egypt well because you've got browns and golds of the Commodore 64 colour scheme. And <laughs> so it does, you know, it lends itself to a you know, sandy desert environment full of gold. So it, so it kind of lends itself yeah. a little bit, but it kind of, it, I think it plays the cards very, very well. And the monsters are really cool as well. I thought they're quite big and, you know, they're quite, they're good. I mean, it could easily have been just a giant blocky monster thing. And we've seen that happen in other yeah. games when, you know, and it even did that in uh, Entombed where the, the actual monsters and stuff were just kind of horribly blocky. And it was one of its major yeah, yeah. failings, really. This didn't seem to have that problem, did it? So No, no. They're, they're kind of weird, aren't they? They're sort of almost cloaky, weird, mm. sort of miasma type. Yes. Uh, you know, fan- phantasmal I didn't, I, I didn't like the zombies. Around. I didn't like the zombies. I didn't like the way they floated around and the way they sort of followed you around. I didn't like it at all. It make, it make, games in mazes are quite terrifying when you've been <laughs> followed, it turns out. Yes, right? yeah, especially when you can't look behind you quite quickly. Yeah. Did, yeah, you find it, yeah. Looking at the, did you find yourself looking at the map a lot because you're probably pulling back on the joystick? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Because you've got to sort of rotate yourself left and rotate, or look left and look right as opposed to flip, which is actually yeah, makes yeah. more sense. I quite like it. I liked it. There's a lot to like there in that game. There's a lot yes. of stuff in it. There's a lot of programming a lot of clever stuff a lot of technique a lot of thought and the puzzles have been really well thought out in terms of their logic so yeah you know i would recommend anyone get your c64 mini maxi whatever the hell you've got plug it in and have a good game of it because you'll be in there for a few hours i think yeah garabeus that to the past gives that a thumbs up yes definitely so uh on to our next one uh we're back in a minute um this has been coming a while um, we've alluded to uh, alluded to it a few times, sort of thing. But um, what's what's this? This is Frank Bruno's boxing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this one's one of yours. I'll, yes. I'll let you. I'll let you talk about Frank Bruno's so, boxing. Okay. Well, st- let's just. I'm not going to talk about the thing that's actually massively problematic about this game straight away. What I'm going to do is I'm right. just going to put that to one side and let's just look look at the actual game itself because out of con- let's just put it into context. And then we'll we can talk about a little bit about the issue. So contextually, this is a version of Super Punch Out, which was a popular arcade game around at that time. Um, this is a version of Super Punch Out for the Commodore sixty four. And as a boxing game, it's a. I guess you, your viewpoint is from the be- behind the boxer you're playing. So behind Frank Bruno in this particular instance, and the boxers that you're fighting are kind of face onto you. So you're looking sort of from behind. Frank Bruno's head and you control kind of control these ducking and diving and his fists. So the idea of the game is to work your way through a series of boxers to become you know, the super champion boxer. Okay, so it's a boxing game. Now, a couple of things initially that are problematic. So the graphic first of all, the graphics actually pretty good. And the audio is quite good. And let's not forget, it's got that amazing loading screen. So the loader in it's got that brilliant version of living on video, which was the elite loader. So it's got mm-hmm. a lot of good positives. So audio, visually, there's a lot to look quite like. The graphics aren't terrible. They're not great, but they're not bad. And they're kind of, you kind of get the idea that it's, it has that super punch out vibe. Is there enough of super punch out in it to make it playable? Problem number one comes when you try and control the damn thing. Because this has got... <laughs> I, th- I think I'm right in thinking this is actually controlled by two different controllers. There's two different c- control variants. There's, there's there's one one joystick and keys. Yes. To, or two two joysticks. That's right. Yeah. So in order to 
played the game. So I think the thing to duck and dive, you had to use, like you say, keep a combination keyboard or joystick or two joysticks, one in port one, one in port two. That in itself makes the game kind of tricky mm-hmm. because I don't know about you, I'm not particularly ambidextrous at the best of times. And I st- even now I would find that, you know, that's quite complicated. So you're off, you're on a back foot from, from, from the first thing. So even if you can get past that, the boxes that you fight, uh, eight boxes in total with progressing difficulty levels. I would argue that the first boxer is actually very difficult to beat, but you can get there because each one of the each one of these boxes you fight has some kind of special move which you have to do some kind of uh, a series of moves in order to be able to avoid this powerful hit. So Canadian Crusher, for example, who is the first boxer that you fight, it's a kind of a giant burly Canadian kind of looking guy, jumps up, sort of jumps, does a funny little turn, and then jumps up and tries to box your ears from both sides with his fists. And if you don't duck at the right time to avoid that punch, you're going to get hit and you're going to get clobbered and and it's you know it's going to be knockout. So you've got to kind of work along those lines. So you can punch left and right. You can do different kind of boxing punches with the other controller. You can sort of dodge left, dodge right, duck up and down, and and put your uh, guard up and all that kind of thing. You've got all that kind of moves. So. Wherein lies the problem with this game? Because on the surface of it, Frank Bruno was a very popular boxer at the time. Um, this is a popular franchise. It's based on a particularly popular arcade. Wherein lies the problems with it? So even if you took that control system aside, which actually does become almost borderline impossible later down the line as you progress through the boxers, and you put to one side the fact that after the Canadian Crusher, the next boxer along is seemingly impossible, and they get more and more impossible after that, to the point when the final boxer, Peter Perfect, I would challenge anyone to say that to get to that point would be a miracle and then to even beat Peter Perfect would be a double miracle. The problem is the names of the boxers and the graphic representation mm-hmm. of them. I found it so problematic, I had to turn it off. Because mm-hmm. Canadian Crusher are, are, are to one side, the next job, and you're going to have to forgive me, but I'm going to name these boxers because I think it's important that we talk about this particular thing. But for the first boxer, Canadian Crusher. Second boxer, Fling Long Chop, which is a Chinese Kung Fu karate boxer. Third one is a Russian called Andra Punchyredov. Uh, fourth one, and I think arguably the most problematic of all, is some character called Tribal Trouble, which is a, a, a black boxer with a bone through his nose, for goodness sake. Then there's uh, one called Frenchy France, which is a French boxer. There's Ravioli Mafiosi, which is an Italian boxer. There's Antipodean Andy. I think he's a sort of soup boxer. I'm not even sure what he looks like. I never got to many of these when I played the game, I'm just saying. And then mm-hmm. you get Peter Perfect. The key problem here is you're boxing one stereotype after another stereotype, and these are horrible stereotypes. These are, these. I, I would, I can't imagine that, I mean, I know the first three are from the arcade, so Canadian Crusher, Fling Long Chop, and Andrew Punchy Redoff are actually three that exist in some variant of those names in the arcade. But the rest of them, they're in they're an invention of this gaming team. And what crazy world are they living in with that's acceptable in any way, shape, or form? So for me, this game is it, it's wrapped in an arcade box and it kind of looks like it. And there's a is taking aside all of that, is there a great game in there? Barry McGuigan's is a much better boxing game. This tries the arcade boxing game and fails, but worst of all, it throws in these horrific stereotype characters, including offensive imagery, which I suppose we look at it now as offensive at the time, maybe not so much, but that's, it is what it is. That's where we're at. That's what they are. And so for me, this game is marred by that to the point when I, I felt uncomfortable playing it. I didn't like the little ditties as they loaded up because they were kind of, the land, you're landing in horrible cliche territory as well as offensive stereotypes. And we've, we've addressed this before with other games. And I like to think that we're not frightened of addressing these things now. It doesn't become acceptable just because it's 30 years after it was released it becomes a problem and it's a problem that i felt it's worth mentioning so it's not a great game anyway but it's not awful but those horrible stereotypes for me that's it switch off but you know that's my two pennies but you might feel differently i mean i think you have to look at the game and the politics separately really yeah um i'm not really going to disagree with any of that i think we've over 
Over time, we've discussed Frank Bruno's boxing in various just ways, just having, you know, just in various ways, going, oh my God, I can't really believe they did that back then, sort of thing. And mostly that was the tone of it. Uh, but, you know, when you actually do go back and play it, because I never have, because I know what it's like. I know what it's like. When you do go back and play it, it is like, yeah, this is 90s, 70s comedians mm. um, level level of representation, as far as I could see. This was, um, let's put that to one side for the moment. For, uh, you know, I'll just say what I thought, which is, yeah, pretty much similar. A punch out knockoff starring Frank Bruno. Uh, yeah, I found the control was annoying because I started playing it with a joystick and it was like but I'm dodging I'm dodging well I'm not punching quick quick bit of research okay so I need to plug another joystick in or use the joystick and one and two to do hits it's like well this is stupid I played Way the Exploding Fist not too long ago and that had 16 moves and, and Karateka and all these other beat em up games sort of thing the, the, the joystick has eight inputs plus another eight with the fire button pressed why am I only allowed four guard up guard down dodge left right I don't understand and then I have to resort to keyboards. Why can't I hold down the fire button and push forward? Mm. Hold down the fire button and move left to do a left left shot. Um, you know, they, they might want to. Okay, we you know, you say, but give me the diagonals then. It, it all felt really broken and like not particularly very well thought through. So I didn't I didn't like the controls. If we talk about the gameplay, I mean, it, it's from a visual point of view, yes, it's okay. It's pretty good. That those the boxes are recognizable. And, and if you if you can put the politics aside, if you can put the representation aside, there is some fun to be had. It's, it's all right. You, you can have a bit of a boxing match on it. It's not as good as Punch-Out. Um, no. Which I, I suppose, you know, it wasn't going to be. But, you know, those controls and, unfortunately, the you know racially insensitive stereotypes. Uh, I, my, my last comment is, is just, this is just best left in the cauldron of the 1980s. Yes, I agree completely. Um, yeah, we, we knew we were going to be talking about this. We've mentioned it before in, in a lighthearted sense, but actually going back to it, it, it feels unpleasant. I didn't mm. like it. No. Uh, I, I, I didn't like the, the 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 what it was actually doing sort of thing and this sort of xenophobic, mm. emp- empireistic view of the rest of the world. Yes. It's not something to dig up, I think, and so... Yeah, there you go, Frank Bruno's boxing. You would have thought a black boxer, front and centre sort of thing, would would lead the rest of the game to be a little more racially sensitive. Yeah, it just you think progressive because of of all the sports at that time, boxing was super progressive in in terms of the kind of multicultural boxers. But even just and even even the descriptions of the boxers from inside of the game and the kind of things, even that is mm-hmm. borderline offensive. It's just somebody somewhere thought it was a great idea, and in 1980, you five. Maybe you'd have got away with it, but I would hesitate to be anywhere involved with this game nowadays. It would be a crazy thing to try. Let's leave that back in the 80s yep. and move on, yep. shall we? Absolutely. Yeah, all right. Let's move on. You may wish we hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so our next game is... A title called Topper the Copper, a, a game that had passed me by. I'm not, I wasn't even aware of this. It didn't even ring a bell as a name. Nothing about this rang to mind. So I was like, okay, what the hell's this? I'm not wrong, am I? That was the Benny Hill theme. It was the Benny Hill theme, yes. It is the Benny Hill theme, yes. I just wanted to make sure because throughout the throughout this game, the Benny Hill theme plays. So repeatedly. Yeah. Okay. There's only so much you can hear the Benny Hill theme sort of thing before, you know, there's, it, especially in a lockdown where, t- you know, tensions are high and, and nerves are fraught before the, the thought of chasing people fast speed 
enters your head because to be chased by someone probably atop of the copper. Yeah, so the, the music is incredibly annoying. Uh, let's get that out of the way. So I think the top of the copper is, I, I don't know, let's explain this sort of thing. It's similar. It's a flick screener. So it's a flick screen bounce around sort of thing. It has a elements or slight sort of feel of um, control system of um, thing on a spring, I thought, um, in the fact you play this sort of bouncy. I think you were supposed to be a copper. Are you supposed to be a police thing? Are you a top hat? Are you a cop hat? Is that what it is? Um, I, I couldn't quite couldn't quite make it out. Um, if you are, then you're you're a policeman's hat. So you're a top hat or something, jumping around various flick screens that I could only make out that you seem to be collecting playing cards um, now and again. Um, and every now and again, you'll miss a jump, fall down a huge hole, and end up in a massive cauldron. Yep. And that'll be it. Sounds about right. There was a, there was a time back in in, a, in an earlier episode sort of thing where I bemoaned games like Entombed and Everyone's a Wally and games like that sort of thing for having too many enemies and stuff and just not leaving you alone. Well, this goes the other way sort of thing because there are multiple screens of nothing. Um, <laughs> That's true. Where you just where you just randomly, you know, you just walk across them and it's like, yeah, I don't mind that. You know, so you, you know, of yes on and stuff like that could have done with a bit more of that maybe sort of thing, but then that suits that kind of, you know, that kind of game. This is a bit more of an arcade fast thing and doesn't really suit that. It's, it's weird. It's all over the place. You know, I don't know. I found the controls really fiddly. It just became, it just, I felt it was trying to be a bit silly and a bit jaunty. And eventually it just became a bit grating and a bit annoying and uh, stopped playing. What did you think? So a, a topper, by the way, do you know what a topper was? No idea. So a topper was actually, it was a toy that you used to push down. It was a spring loaded on a sucker and you'd push them down and then it would pop and jump up in the air. So that's a topper. So I think that's why it was top of the copper because he was policeman version of one of them. Yeah, because right, yeah, okay. yeah, because you have to pick up eight clues and solve solve the crime. That's the that's the plan for the game. That's that was it. However, I that. <laughs> to be fair, it's easy to miss. <laughs> so it was just blocky and bleepy and medium res. Like you say, it's kind of blocky, medium resy sprites. It was kind of a riff in riff on thing on a spring, really, but not a very good one. And mm. so you end up, like you say, just wandering around collecting stuff. Well, do you know what? We've played blocky versions of wandering around collecting stuff games repeatedly. There's been so many of the damn things. Um, so it's in order to be good, you've got to be really good at these. And this one isn't. It's just it's just not very good. It's an unenjoyable. And that music would drive a saint to the sea. <laughs> it was awful. Do you know, it's actually called Yakety Sax, that music. It was composed by Boots Randolph and James Q in 1958, just so you know. But that, uh, Benny Hill themes what it is. But it's not all the Benny Hill theme, is it? It's just that kind of a... Anyway, just if, if you could endure that music, and I would argue that this is... You know, t- they took this format of music and play it to the poor so- poor folks in Guantanamo Bay, um, <laughs> and they'd be, you know, they, they would probably, you know, easy confess to whatever they're in there for. This is torturous. Um, so it's an average game with awful music, which makes it a particularly dull game with awful music. Mm. I didn't enjoy it. There's not much to enjoy. And I found controlling, and, like you say, fiddly and twitchy controls that meant I kept falling off things and falling down great, what looked like elevator shafts and apparently landing in a giant cauldron for some reason. And just, you know, these games aren't fun when they're like that. Um, no. You know, so for me, it was a big switch off. Um, I don't think I even found a clue, let alone eight. You know what? Of all the music that you can put in a game, there's certain <laughs> ones that just, if they're not done reasonably well, they will drill into your skull and in the end I had to turn it off because it was so damn annoying so and the jumping that didn't quite work goodness have we got a game with the uh, Spanish flea in it uh, 
you know, I don't know of one. I, me- I remember a student in a, on a games course that I taught on once made a game with that in, and it kind of worked. I mean, Bugaboo, Bugaboo the Flea didn't have it, did it? No, it, well, it might. You know what? We may revisit this and find ourselves some... Um, but, you oh, know, there's, did, yeah. there's nothing wrong with uh, Herb Albert, let me tell you that. Nothing. No, but, sp- but, but if you done have... Badly. Span it, but, <laughs> yeah, and, and, re- and repetitively, and yes. over and over and over and over again. Well, they, for some reason, I don't get why, but they only seem to do the first few bars of these things, so... Yes, it's the band on the run syndrome. <laughs> yes, yeah. From Gimari Gas the Broad Street. Yeah, yeah exactly. And we know it's what that did. It's, it's, it's the same composer. I can do the first part of the tune. Can you do the rest? No, no. <laughs> no, no. You need to, no. I only ever learned okay. the first bar. <laughs> I can give you a sample and that's it. I give you a sample for free. He's in a covers band and when they play a gig, it's about 10 minutes long because they only play the first 35, 40 seconds of every song. So that's it, everyone. Gig over. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> we'll be back next week. <laughs> Maybe. No, um, no. It, this was just pointless. Um, there's so many of these games, though. I mean, where, who comes up with these crazy ideas to, you know, but this was, I, I felt that it was just a, a kind of a riff on that whole uh, thing on a spring vibe you know so no i didn't enjoy that particularly but at least that was saved by decent music this one was actually made worse it was interesting that that can happen though because you know as we'll see later in late with this episode there are games with great that are sort of okay with good music that can lift it we've seen that before with monthly on the run and you know great games that become greater this was a boring <laughs> game that became awful so you know it's <laughs> ironic that it can go the other way too so no yeah true top of the copper no nope. so no Bottom the copper. Yeah, just, just, you no, know, go and play with real toppers. Find them. They'll be on eBay somewhere. Or, yeah, I think I even, I might have even got some in a Christmas cracker one year. You know, they are out there somewhere, these toppers. They're just, I don't think people remember them. It's a bit like pogs. Nobody remembers what the hell they were for. What were they for? I didn't know. I, kn- I knew what they, I know what they are. I just didn't know that that's what they were called. Yeah, toppers, um, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I think we just called them bouncy spring things because, <laughs> you know, you know, that is what they are. You know? yeah. <laughs> and you ate off your ceramic discs, didn't you, with your with your metal with your metal stabbies? <laughs> we did. We came, we came from the rough side of the tracks. <laughs> That's where I grew up. None of these posh toppers. <laughs> posh toppers and eating off plates. Give you my Absolutely. ceramic discs and my stabbies. <laughs> <laughs> so we can eat our rat. Boiled <laughs> chicken <laughs> and our turnips. We didn't have pumpkins. We had swedes. Oh yes, Halloween uh, swedes. The Halloween swedes. Oh. <laughs> That's a swede. That's a turnip. Not not. We didn't kill Swedish people. <laughs> yeah, um, and make them into Halloween. <laughs> You know, some Halloween nightmare. Awful. Yeah, that's hereditary. Or, yeah. That's a midsummer type <laughs> film in the, in the making. No uh, Swedes were although, harmed. <laughs> although carving out a turnip, as hard as it was, sort of thing, was still better than playing Top of the Copper. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so te- let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. But having said that, I did prefer Top of the Copper to what comes next. Yes. Who wouldn't? So, uh, yeah, let's move on. And move down. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, God, Lord, yeah. So we've gone really good to, oh, God, to, meh, to, <laughs> uh, our last game in this section is Schizophrenia. Schizophrenia, we mentioned this in the Crapvert some time back. Um, and now here we have the game itself. Graham, go and tell us about Schizophrenia. Uh, tell us all about it. <laughs> Do you know, it's, it's a single screen platform game, essentially. Um, and you control a character called Alphonse T. Nerd. Oh. Who was a scientist working with Bogdan Stunk. 
<laughs> I'm not making these things up. This is genuine. And he wants to learn what his boss is up to. Uh, so he comes across something called the Atomic Particle People Splitter. Activates that. Uh, and then Alphonse splits into two people. Okay, there's the shtick. So that's the schizophrenia part. Two people. Hey. And then he wants to find out how to get himself back together to find a recombination center. So he wants to get back into himself. Um, so the lab split into five areas. You've got to control um, your character to solve puzzles and get through them and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, well, your double, your double, on the other hand, is out there still, sort of enjoying his his time. So, all of all, what does all that mean? Well, I can tell you now, it's complicated schizophrenia, <laughs> complicated to use, complicated to play. It's a kind of a dual play puzzler with the most horrific controls I've come across. In is this, is this the episode of horrible controls? Yeah, you got Frank Bruno with its dual bizarre dual joystick keyboard combination nonsense. This one, you have to press the fire button to go up every step on the down staircase. You have to go click, 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 click. And if you'd fail, he just drops off the stairs. So I oh. actually, I couldn't, I could, couldn't get up the stairs on that first. Hey. I just couldn't. Neither so, could I. So, so, <laughs> so it made it impossible. So I was like, do you know what? Yep. <laughs> There's a rule with games for me. Don't make them impossible for me to play because that makes me mm-hmm. not want to play them. Odd logic, I know. So if you have a staircase in the game, just make the character go up the stairs. Why make him press the button for every step and die if you don't get it right? It's so stupidly facile. That's an example of how difficult the game is on the first screen. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to play any more of this. I'm not, because what's the point? So um, I imagine that there's probably, you know, more to do, more puzzles. I'm never going to get there because I was never going to get past those stairs. So I tried. I tried several times. The controls were just utter garbage. And that frustrated me with this game. And I think it got about 50% in Zap. And they cited the same exact problem as well. Just uncontrollable Mm -hmm. nonsense. In terms of graphics were okay. But, you know, somewhere somebody's logic controls for making games just <laughs> suddenly just completely went wrong. So, you know, and, and, you know, what happened? I don't know. Maybe you just woke up one morning and thought, you know what? I've made it too easy, this game, going upstairs like a normal person. I'm going to make it impossible. I don't know. I just found it because it was impenetrable. It, I, I tuned out of it and, and it was actually pretty average anyway. It just made an average game unplayable and unfun. Well, what's the point? What's the point in a game if it's those things? So. It was yeah. a big, big switch off for me, but for you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, my notes are, I tried to climb the stairs, time it again. I pushed the button to climb the stairs, <laughs> but I just kept falling off. That was it. I couldn't get <laughs> past the stairs. And then I'd get bothered by the, the twin every now and again, or the, the split person, yeah. or whatever it was, who'd come down and bother me. I, the sprites looked like, they looked like the guy out of Yellow. <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think what he was, yeah. Which I thought was a crazy thing, sort of thing. So it was like, it was like two guys out of Yellow, but the, the, the weird guy. Um, <laughs> wandering around the screen. One, kept, one was just wandering about, and the other one just kept falling off the stairs. It was like some bizarre Eastern European sitcom <laughs> that I just couldn't quite work out. I thought, who thought this was a good idea? At what point of the design process did that seem like fun? I, 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 can't, I couldn't even tell you if this is good or bad because I couldn't climb the stairs and the music drove me to despair. <laughs> it's just, no, I, I remember, right, it's a, a few, many, many years ago, in the mid-90s sort of thing, we had a PlayStation, and I remember the first time I played Resident Evil, okay, and I, and I played it, the first time, I had none, never played these kind of games before, now, for anyone who's played the first Resident Evil sort of thing, you wander around the mansion and there's zombies and you shoot stuff, but I got to a point where I could not progress because every time I walked up to the stairs in the main mansion hall, Jill would just wouldn't go up them. She just wouldn't go up them until somebody said, oh, you need to press X to climb the stairs, which opened up the rest of the mansion to me and the rest of the game to me. And I was like, oh, it's like some crazy epiphany. <laughs> but it never even occurred to me that someone would think to press X to go up the ho- all of the stairs, you know, because why would you? That's mm. stupid. Just climb the stairs. Okay. Yep. They'd obviously played this. 
and thought, well, you know, pressing X, <laughs> pressing the fire button to climb. Let's press the button to climb every stair. Who falls off stairs because they can't climb up the next one? <laughs> I, I'm sorry that we're going on about the stairs, but that's all we have to talk about. Because yeah, <laughs> neither has got past them. Nope. I, I think I got, how far, how high up did you get? I think I got to the fifth. Yeah, about the same, about step five, and then it was just... And then I, fe- and then I fell off, cried a bit, and know, turned it off. I couldn't figure out if it was a timing thing. Was I meant to press them in a certain time? Or was it just the number of steps? I couldn't figure it out, because I'd go, step, no. step, step, death. Step, 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 death. I'm like, why am I dying on the stairs? What's killing me? Yeah. And I realised it's just, you know, some insidious control mechanism behind it all. Some evil professor's gone, <laughs> you shall die on yeah. the stairs and never get into this game. Yeah. So if you fancy a game where the punishment is you play as a character from Yellow trying to climb stairs, <laughs> schizophrenia is for you. If that's not your cup of tea, then goddamn well avoid this like the plague. Yeah, avoid. Yeah, and it's it's Dieter Meyer, by the way, in Yellow. He looks like he does. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can Google it and he looks like him. It's weird. And Boris. Boris Blank is the other member of Yellow. And, and they both, they look like, I think someone did listen to them when they played this. This would be a much better game if it wasn't schizophrenia, but was just called Yellow. Yellow the game. And it was the two of them wandering around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you could have actually made quite a fun game there if they got the yellow license. Yeah, if they'd have played uh, the race or something. Yeah. Actually, no, imagine how dun, annoying dun. that would have got. Yeah, but they've got other tracks, haven't they? <laughs> any, I, yeah, they do, loads, but I couldn't honestly <laughs> okay. remember any other than that one. <laughs> yellow, we have, uh, there's that one that goes... Uh, boom, boom, chicka, chicka, down, down. That's one of those that as well, one, yeah. And, and then there's... I'm going to have to watch some John Hughes movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> So yeah, yellow yellow the game gets a, a thumbs down from us. Yes, <laughs> schizophrenia. You might well develop it. Yeah, you would. Um, oh, all right, on on that split bombshell. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. So that's our games for this first uh, section. So cracking, really good. Scarabaeus, mm. uh, problematic to the max. Frank Bruno's boxing in all ways. Uh, obviously, weirdly dull, annoyingness at the top of the copper and just sheer. Ugh, of schizophrenia. <laughs> um, but let's move on. We'll be looking at the music in December 85 uh, when we come back after this short break. Okay, welcome back. So now we're going to look at music, uh, what music came out in December 1985. So obviously Christmas month. It is the Christmas month. Jingle bells are uh, ringing and everyone's happy and jaunty and bringing pleasant presents to each other. And it's all good. So uh, what came out? What did we have? Uh, what do we have to celebrate uh, the Yuletide Festival with? Our singles. What we have, our number one singles, we had I'm Your Man. Um, I think we mentioned that at the end of the last episode. We did, yeah, yeah, classic wham. Uh, so that was that started the month. That was at number one for a week or so. Uh, then we went into uh, a bit of smoochiness uh, with Saving All My Love For You by the uh, uh, Whitney great, Houston's great big ballad, Whitney yeah. Houston. Saving All My Love. That one. <laughs> sang, sang better, though. Um, than that Significantly. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Uh, Whitney Houston, she's great. Uh, I like yes, Whitney Houston. Yes, yes, yes. Can't go wrong. So that was for two weeks. Um, when it was eventually replaced by Merry Christmas, everyone, by Shaking Stevens. <laughs> I'm going to lay off the adjectives. <laughs> it's probably a safe bet to do that with Shaking Stevens. He's got one in his name. Is that, is, is, that a, is that a verb, though? And, you know, what's going to be the irony is if he develops any kind of uh, multiple sclerosis... <laughs> Later in life, you know, but he really is going to be was, shaking Stevens. I was, going to, I was going to say that name becomes more appropriate. The older he gets. <laughs> True. Do you know what? Ever since that song was released, it's been every year, hasn't it? So what were we in 1985? There, 
every year it gets you know played on the radio. You know, it, it is that uh, if you've seen that Battle Boy, yeah, um, in that film, the Hugh Grant's character is a guy whose dad made a very famous Christmas song, isn't it, called um, yeah. Santa's Sleigh or something, and yeah. um, he lives off the proceeds the rest of his life. I suspect Shaking Stevens, as much as we mock him, he probably sits there on his money throne, um, laughing his <laughs> way to the bank on the back of that because it's played every year and it's kind of you know it's, it's harmless, catchy. It's better than mistletoe and wine. That, that is, that, that's that is that's how I console myself with that every year. There's a very problematic Cliff Richard song coming up. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's some words you never normally hear, problematic Cliff Richard. He's just such a lovely guy. He's normal. He's nice. He doesn't do no, anything he's, no, wrong. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, he's not. In, in your world. <laughs> no, no, don't get me wrong. I don't know him. I don't. I've no, I only know of him. That's um, true. And from what I've seen, he's, you know, has he ever been in the papers, you know, beating someone to death with a sock? No, no. He gets to he gets to Wimbledon too much for my liking. <laughs> well, he goes every year, I suppose. I mean, he's like, well, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, Richard, get off! You're here too much, too much Absolutely. Wimbledon for you. Get, Skip a year, do the, us a favour. Hogging up the centre court seat, <laughs> eating your strawberries and your like champagne. Old Billy, <laughs> get out. Anyway. Bachelor uh, boy, Christmas. get out. <laughs> that was uh, number. That was number one yes. over the Christmas period. So you know, Merry Christmas, everyone. We sense. all got festive. We all got festive. Well, at least he um, wasn't slayed. And no, he wasn't. No, he's still no, alive. No, no. I said, <laughs> hey, hey, I'm here all week. <laughs> hey, Christmas week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for two weeks. <laughs> Christmas and New Year. <laughs> Lots of shaking, Stevens. <laughs> Wobbly right. Stevens. It's his cousin. <laughs> what if they just named Wobbly? Bobbing. Yeah, all the all the Stevens <laughs> just named after the thing they were doing when they were born. So he was shaking. Cracking. Yeah, one was cracking, one was shimmying. Wailing. <laughs> Wailing Stevens, yeah. Exactly. He's no, the, just uh, doing different the, things. He's the country singer. <laughs> I'm, wa- I'm, I'm Wailing Stevens. <laughs> Wailing Stevens, country singer. I, I play my steel guitar with two strings. <laughs> all the Stevens are all very, very, uh, very adjective very, laden. Yeah, very musical as well, yeah. Very musical people, yeah, very they are. Uh, right, yeah. Number one albums. What was the number one albums? Well, you can tell it was Christmas uh, because mm. people were buying these, obviously for Christmas parties and probably for Christmas presents. Uh, there were two number ones throughout the month that kind of switched back and forth. Uh, we had Now That's What I Call Music 6 um, and we had Now The Christmas Album. <laughs> all right. So, I bet now The Christmas Album features Shaking Stevens and all the previous Christmas on Wizard and Slade yeah, probably. and all Yeah, that. I imagine it does. And then, yeah. and then after that, all the obscure ones that nobody knows anyway, nobody remembers. Well, yeah, well, you get your B, well, not your B tier sort of thing, but you've got have you maybe uh, was the Pogues one out by then? Pogues would have been out, yeah. Was it later? Fairy Tale in New York. I think that was after, I think that was around that. You know, I don't know. You I know, generally don't know. Be, I think it's probably later, isn't it? Could have been. We're, we're so used to Christmas songs just being, a, we just think of them as they've always yeah, been there, yeah, but at exactly. some point they weren't. Well, yeah, because Boney M must have been down that, because that was bon, Boney M and Mary's Boy Child or whatever yeah. it's called. Uh, at some so. point, you know, Mistletoe and Wine was just uh, someone strumming on a guitar thinking it'd be a oh, good idea. Goodness me. Well, you know, later he sang a Lord's Prayer at Christmas, didn't he? So released. It's all very complex religious <laughs> stuff in it at Christmas. It gets kind of messy with Cliff Richard House. Ugh, ugh. No, that's what you don't want. But he's, you see, his whole entire family are named after various edges of things. So he's Cliff Richard. He's <laughs> 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 <And> Curb Richard. <laughs> So it's just that's just the way ledge. you name people back then. Ledge, yeah, Ledge Richard. Ledge, Ledge Richard. <laughs> ledge, Cliff, Edgy. Good old. Sill. <laughs> Sill Richard. Ah, yeah. I can imagine him being quite smooth. Sill. Hey, Sill. Oh, uh, yeah. Hit us up with another bass beat. Ah, yeah. 
<laughs> Still rich. Yeah. Still rich. Bizarre. Yeah. Well, that's how they name people back then. I can't think of any other edges. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Well, so that's that. That's your number ones. Wham, mm. Cliff Richard. No, not Cliff Richard. Shaky Stevens. <laughs> um, Whitney Houston and compilations. Compilations for everyone. Compilations for everybody. They were just very easy Christmas presents. Let's weren't face they just, it. yeah. They were, you know, I, wish, I can't remember how much they were. They were about 10 or something like that, I think. Was it by value? Yeah. They were, because you get a double album, you get two yeah. tapes, you know, whatever it was back then. I think probably maybe even a... Would you get a double CD? Maybe. Uh, maybe. I thought so. I think you'd have to, yeah. You've only got maybe. about, what, 10? I don't know. Maybe. That would have cost you about then. Oof. Oof, gosh, yeah. Lord. That's, you got you got really like someone to buy them, a double CD. Absolutely. And it would have knackered your record player when you tried it. Yeah, which true. Most people inevitably did. Unless you're a Cyclops out of the X-Men, because he can play... <laughs> um, he can play uh, CDs just by opening just his by eyes. Just his eye. Yeah, well, his eye, yeah. Is he, is he, he just got eyes eye or eye, yeah. He just opens his eye and opens his eye. I always thought Cyclops as well was very similar to What's-His-Face out of uh, his Geordie out of uh, Star Trek. I always wondered what would happen if Geordie took his uh, took his thing off. Sort of thing. Would he have a laser eye? He also is, a you know, think back to the witch in... Um, Hawk the Slayer? Hawk the Slayer, that's it. It's Hawk the Slayer. Ugh. The witch oh, in that's right, got yes. a pa- one paper eye. And, of course, there's a Cyclops in Krull as well, played by Bernard Breslau. It does, so, yeah. Wow. Gets crushed, gets crushed in a door. Well, you knew it was going to happen. That's the irony. Don't get me started on Krull. You could see it. Yeah, yeah that's the last... Yeah, that's the, they traded... This is the... Just as an aside, <laughs> because it's, so, it's something that really makes me laugh. They traded with... That's what they traded with the Beast in that film. They gave up one eye, and he gave them the vision of the future, but only to see their own death. What? A, that's the worst trade in history, if you ask me. But there you go. So, that is not great, is it? Cyclops, not known for their great trading abilities. Here, have an eye. Tell, when am I going to die? But why would you want to know that? Just give me some other future. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Cruel is crap. I You've got to be cruel to be kind. Oh, no, that's probably just lost half our, half lost half our listeners, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. I love Which, cruel, honestly. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, maybe, we'll maybe rally that around. But yeah, cruel, good. Cruel, cruel is really good. good, yeah. Cruel, good, yeah. Cruel. Yeah. Good, yeah. Stop yeah. editing me, Graham. Cruel is good. <laughs> cruel, cruel, good. Yes. <laughs> Slayers, brilliant. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Single releases. There were quite a few single releases considering it was the uh, Yuletide Festival period. Mm. Uh, on the 1st of December, we had Dress You Up from Madonna. Good song. Came in at number 12. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I like that one. Uh, we had in at number 60 was, well, Cliff. We've spoken about him and now here he is with It's In Every One of Us. Who? What is? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Don't know, but it's in us. It's in every one I of us. I don't like it. <laughs> I've never. I don't think I've ever heard it, but I don't like the idea of that. I don't either. Sort of thing. I don't want Cliff Richards singing. It's in every one of us. At me. Do you know, I wonder if you got all of Cliff Richards' titles for his songs. It actually forms a really long paragraph about the end of the world. <laughs> And nobody's just nobody's done it nobody's and that sentence is actually one part of it is you know he's collaborated with the David Icke and it's actually about the Illuminati is that does that mean that the living doll is in every one of us yeah sort of mean you add these things up together and God knows what that sentence says it's terrifying it's probably a cipher he's trying to tell us something what are you trying to say Cliff Cliff Richard is our is our own uh, what's his not, not, no, Nostradamus Nostradamus <laughs> he, he knows he's he knows seen too the much. future. He has seen it with his one good eye. <laughs> He's made a pact with the beast. <laughs> he did. He could see the future, but only his own death. <laughs> and he's trying to tell us. You know, he's trying. He's trying, to, he's trying in the mode of song and title. So, if, you know. <laughs> I'd, I'd love Cliff Richard to be a prophet. That would be amazing. <laughs> but it'd be mad if it turned out that he was right. We're like, oh my God, why didn't we listen to him? He tried to tell us. He tried to tell us. Because he couched it in terrible tunes. Yeah, but that's you know, not his if, fault. 
if it made it in catchy tune sort of thing, if like Kenny Loggins was like trying to sort of give us something, then I'd be I'd be more up for listening to it. He's got catchy tunes. Maybe that was his trade with the Beast. He didn't trade an eye. <laughs> he said, "Look, I want popular songs for the rest of my life." And like, okay, but they're going to be horrible, and nobody's going to nobody not only a few people are going to like them, and your message is never going to be understood. He's like, but I need to get the message out. So there it is. Or maybe, or maybe his deal was tickets for Wimbledon every year. <laughs> All the strawberries you can eat. <laughs> well, that, you know what? It does sound like a good deal. I'm in, beast. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, count me in. <laughs> Take my one eye. Not that one. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need that one. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. In fact, um, that probably anyway. is the one that got taken. Anyway. <laughs> we need to move on. We do. <laughs> we do. Uh, number 99 was, well, uh, yeah, it was the theme from Hill Street Blues. Do you remember it? Because <laughs> I was yeah. trying to do, look at it. Do, do, oh, but is it? It's that one. Do, do, oh. do, 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 yeah, do, 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 lovely do. piece of music. Great yeah. for the tune, but I'm not going to yeah. go buy it. No, it says Hill Street Blues in it, doesn't it? It's that classic notion Hill where they put Street the actual... Blues. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a, that's a sign of a good theme song. So, yes. But anyway, yeah. that was released by Mike Post and Larry Carlton. But they did loads of themes like that, Mike Post. Goodness me, loads and loads. Yeah. But the thing is, this is the theme from Hill Street Blues 1985. So I wonder if they you know, revamped it for 1985. 86, 87, 88, I don't know. Yeah, why had the special version? I don't know. Maybe uh, it was the, it come to the end of that series. It went on forever, as far as I can remember. <laughs> um, uh, so this is um, December 8th. Just to show that everybody was getting in the Christmas spirit, uh, we had Santa Claus is Coming to Town, maybe a double A side with My Hometown by Bruce Springsteen. Mm. Have you ever heard that? I No, have you? I have, yes, and it is gruff, very gruff. <laughs> He's sort of, sort of borderline shouting me, at her. Hang, hang on, are you telling me a Bruce Springsteen song is gruff? Yeah. <laughs> because that, I, I, yeah, right, I believe you. You think it'd be melodious. He might have been melodious for Christmas, but no, that's a gruff-sounding Christmas song. No, that's that, that, that's so gravelly, it almost tarmacks your drive. <laughs> so, no, uh, it's... Uh, yeah. It's it's uh, it's for select audiences. Yeah, that's that's exceptionally good. It is angry. It's like an angry Christmas song. Uh, then we had at number sixty three, "Walking in the Air," oh. Peter Orty and the Symphonia of London. Who? I don't know. Peter Orty. Oh right, okay. I didn't know. He, I thought I remember they. He was famous for that. I thought it was Ali Jones. Jones. Yeah. But maybe it's a different "Walking in the Air." Maybe it is, but it was came out anyway. Peter Orty and the Symphonia oh, of well, London. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know what the Sinfonia of London is. I am not sure either. <laughs> I don't know what Sinfonia means. No, is it an orchestra of some kind? Or I don't know. Poss- possibly. Um, possibly. Uh, but in uh, number 78, further evidence that everyone was in on the Christmas trip. Christmas Time by Brian Adams. Oh, dear. Got my first real Christmas present. You know it's going to be like that with Brian Adams, right? Probably, yeah. I'm going to wrap it up. And so forth. And so forth. Uh, so, yeah. And so forth, uh, yes. Uh, December 22nd, uh, Don't Always Shines on TV came out by Aha. So, you know, get your, get your happy, happy, happy in mm. uh, before Christmas. Weird. Because uh, that, that's not a happy tune. One for you at number nine, at number 78 was Oh Blimey, It's Christmas by Frank Sidebottom. <laughs> for goodness sake. Do you know it's crazy that that could even chart? I mean, there's enough people out there that bought it. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, we know, we'd probably know one of them. I know one who probably bought all 78 copies required, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know how many it would take to get to number 78. I imagine a few. Christmas week, isn't it? No one's mm. buying anything at that point. 
Everyone's no. buying uh, everyone's buying bloody um, Christmas album by now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, new albums out. There's not much. I think things are just winding down, and everyone's getting out the way of the Now series because on cause basically first of December, straight in at number one was the Now. That's what I call music six. So it went straight in at number one. So that was out. Um, and but the weird thing was was that number two was hits three. Oh, there we are. Various artists. So we're getting the battle of the battle of the various artists. People like their bargainist multi-track proto Spotify stuff. And there you go. So the only other album of note that I've got here um, was on the 8th of December in at number 52 was Whitney Houston with Whitney Houston not yeah. a lot else released album wise yeah. quite a few singles because obviously you know people like Christmas single but can't help but think that the the air was just sucked out of the room by the now the now yeah they to- they, that's what they did I mean that's like you said before they made their own giant in the end because they were so sick of that happening they were so uh, yeah there you go that's, uh, that's your music for the Christmas period we had uh, Shaking Stevens at number one and various artists at number one as well in the albums so I think over, over the Christmas uh, holiday period so that's your music let's move on we've got games coming up next after this short break Welcome back. That was your music, Christmas period, December. So now let's look at our last batch of games in this episode. Um, and let's kick it off, weird style, with Battlex, a Jeff Minter joint. I'll leave it to you. <laughs> Tell us about Battlex, Graham. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with how I encountered this game because right from the get-go, you either really dig Minter games or you're the kind you kind of don't. Now that's not to say there's anything wrong with Jeff Minter's programming because he's a really lovely, talented, and clever guy, and he is. And his games um, are all kind of erratic and crazy and full of really wild stuff, and that's all good if you like that kind of thing. I've never been a big fan of Jeff Minter games. I doesn't mean they're not good games in the slightest and it doesn't mean that Jeff Minter isn't a lovely guy because he is and I've met him and I've even played um, Tempest uh, his version of Tempest on the Atari Jaguar with him and so all good I just found this game a little bit difficult to get into. And it's a, it's actually, let's go to go back. There is a little bit of a story to this game. So um, you're part of some kind, I suppose it's like a sci-fi story, essentially. So you've got a task force. I think there's six games, essentially, in, in here. Or mm-hmm. I think I'd argue it's five games and kind of a synthy thing. But anyway, six playable things. And you've got to kind of, it's kind of a, a, a I think you've got to beat each game in, sort of, in a sort of a, a collective battle so that you can uh, defeat this evil enemy I can't what even the name of the enemy is now there's such complicated namings of things in here there's the Zaxians and there's the pseudo primes and there's these, all these kind of strange characters what they are in game terms in this game is camels and llamas and kind of weird graphics and, and stuff going all over the screen complex controls different kinds of each of the six games is kind of a mini game and each of those has got kind of a weird psychedelic quality to it so you're kind of playing in it's almost like playing you know when you're high on something so i find them a little bit difficult to play and get into because i find them proboscopic over colorful i don't want to be over critical of the game because it's presentation wise and everything else it's so unusual and different that it's, it merits a lot of pats on the back just for that but in here you've got to beat these kind of mini games to sort of solve the thing and whatever that might be I couldn't figure out the hell I was doing in almost every one of the games the first one I played I was kind of it was kind of a shoot 'em up multi-directional but the controls were all backwards on what I was playing I couldn't figure out what I was really meant to be doing the second level I seemed to be one of them was kind of like a defender style shoot 'em up where I was sort of shooting at what looked like camels then there was one where I was kind of an eye and I was making these little background graphic kind of things sort of move and rotate with weird sound kind of wee boo sounds and, and I just found myself a bit overwhelmed trying to figure out what the hell I was doing and what what it all meant 
Now, I get that there's a lot of clever programming and graphics and talent and sound and everything that goes into all of that. But surface level, just for me getting into a game, I just found it... Um, I wasn't sure that it was... It just didn't feel like a game that I could really get get behind and get into. Now, I've played other Minter games, and some of them are more approachable and more and more playable than this. You know, for me, they get better. This was, I think, the one that came after Ancipital, which was a kind of a weird rhythmic game. So I don't deny the guy's got amazing ideas, and the, and the ability to program is, is that question. I just... My, myself... I have trouble finding my way through the games themselves and playing them because I just don't get into them enough. Um, and I find that they reach a certain difficulty level, which is so extremely hard that I, I can't I can't do it. In the end, I think, you know, I'm sure there's great games in there for somebody out there who likes that kind of psychedelic, multicolour, you know, crazy world of, of Jeff Minter. And if you love that kind of thing, there's loads to go out here. Six entire mini games, lots of value in it. But for me, it just wasn't my cup of tea at all. And so I kind of found it a little bit off-putting in that respect. It's a Jeff Minter game I didn't like. Later we'll play another Jeff Minter game, and I do like them. So it's just, I, didn't, I wasn't keen on this mm. one. about you? I thought, oh, very similar to you um, in a lot of respect. I think that, I, I, I think I, I just, I think I appreciate Minter more than actually like his games. Mm. I, I appreciate the fact that they're very, very clever. And, you know, he obviously got a lot better. He started with, like, I don't know where he started, but it was Hover Bobber, one of his early ones. Something like that. And then, obviously, Mutant Camels and, and everything else in, in between and all that sort of thing. And this just draw on a lot of those kind of ideas. The first game was this weird kind of... It felt a bit like some kind of weird asteroid-type type dealio sort of thing, but the, the controls of, like, you push to shoot in a direction, which then blast you in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't... I couldn't my, my head couldn't do it. I couldn't, I don't know. My, my head was like, nope. It was just, it, it broke my head to play it. So that's, I moved on to the next one. And the next one was essentially Attack of the, uh, you know, Mutant Camels or whatever it was. It's uh, Empire Strikes Back again from, from the Atari. So it's, it's a version of that. You've got the, you got the camels instead of big attacks walking along and you've got to shoot them. There's also kind of crazy stuff going on. You're shooting them. The next one was, on, I could think, I thought it was on the, I think I'm on the back of a camel going towards some kind of. That's right. Big, glowy pyramid guiding something towards it or maybe i was or maybe i wasn't i want sure don't know then there was a shoot thing like kind of like ancipital or is it ancipital what's in, or iridis alpha what you know they come later don't they? i'm not sure I, I get mixed up with the lineage of these sort of things as well i mean i've looked it up but you know they, they all become very much of a muchness in all this run so you're mm. you know bopping jumping from top to bottom you're kind of some kind of weird sort of you know clippy or something you're called or something so you're you're kind of some kind of sort of goat like goat like man thing or something or other so with trails everywhere and psychedelia and everything like that. Then the next one, yeah, you've got this weird tonal thing and you're moving these things around. And, and the last one's essentially a visualizer of some description. Mm. Uh, technically, very clever. He's doing the, he's doing things with the Commodore 64 that other people are not doing. And he's making it, you know, some interesting stuff and he's not following your typical collectors on stuff. He's doing some interesting stuff. Mm. But again, and, and I'm first to, first to state sort of thing, it's just not for me. I no. just don't. It just doesn't gel with me in any shape or form. It doesn't connect. It doesn't click. I don't know. Maybe I, I like something that I'm a, is a bit more grounded and I can get my head around properly. You know, your you Braybrook games. You, you, you later, you know, later would come on to people like Stavros Zulos and people like that. Those kind of games where I could, you know, there's something to latch onto. This feels they feel very personal to to Minter and his way of making games and his view on them and what they can do and everything like that. And I completely want hook, hook, you know. 100% utterly behind that, you do your own thing, whatever sort of thing. But I, I'm, I'm not going to, I couldn't recommend this, so I couldn't say I enjoyed it because I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to be doing or really. But even reading instructions and reading reviews and looking at the thing sort of thing, I still had no, no clue really. And, you know, that's, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. 
what what you got anything more to add it? I mean I don't want to be too down on it because like you said, Minter's cool, he's fun, like you know, and he's he's, he's his own individual thing and I you know, I've always had time for him and, and the stuff he's doing because I think what he does is kinda of cool, but it just I'm not that jigsaw piece to complete no, absolutely. that. Absolutely. No, I agree. I think, you know, for me to get stuff out of this, so so I liked the Attack of the Mutant Camels two level. I liked that because I liked it. I liked Attack of the Mutant Camels and the sort of psychedelia thing, which is the kind of pause mode synthesizer thing. I, f- I found myself, you know, changing the background color and the line length and doing some interesting stuff with that and just sort of, you know, passing time with it. Um, I found some of the other ones really, really weirdly annoying. The the Idris bass one I found hard and the clippy one I found quite hard and the synchro one with the series of patterns on the floor. I just it just broke my brain trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. <laughs> So, and I, and I get it, I know, you know, your perseverance maybe is what's required for these things to sit and just go with it. But I find them after a while, maybe it's because I'm, you know, pushing 40, 45 plus now. My brain and eyes just don't take that kind of stroboscopic colorization for long mm-hmm. before I'm starting to get headaches and just feeling a bit, you know, and put me back in sort of, you know, my young teens and I might have given this more of a go. But I don't remember even doing it then. I don't remember you even coming around back then with it and saying, I've got the latest Jeff Minter game, let's have a go. Because I think it just was just not at our collective cup of tea so hats off to jeff minter for making yet another interesting crazy jeff minter game because if there's an auteur and he exists in the c64 world he is one of them um, because his games you know if you see his games you know they're his games and that's great Mm -hmm. but it's just this wasn't for me but i'm sure it's for somebody that's for sure yeah yeah i think that's about right let's leave it there i think yeah um because i don't think we've got much more to say really no i agree anyway all right let's move on Intriguing as that was, it was better than our next one. Because our next one is a game called Zyto. Zito, Zyto. I guess it's Zyto. Z-Y-T-O. It's the cheapy, £4 sort of thing. But yeah. Um, this is a weird old game. <sighs> let's try and let's explain this. Um, because it's part... Right, and when I say some of these games sort of thing, don't think I'm saying there, it's at the quality of them. So don't, you know, <laughs> it's not. But there's there's elements of Defender, there's elements of Moon Patrol, and even a little bit of Choplifter in this, um, in, in the strange strange weirdness of it. So what you do is you, you start off, your you, you control some vehicle, and then you launch some kind of craft. And so you go around, you know, essentially you've got a, a wraparound landscape, Defender style. So there's your bit of Defender, okay? So that, that's that's it. Don't think there's any other way this is like Defender, because it's not. Apart from the controls are a bit similar, sort of thing, because you flip to the left and side, right and side of the screen. There's Moon Patrol in the fact you this buggy goes over the landscape, sort of thing, so it's kind of a bit like that. And Choplifter in the fact you can pick stuff up off the floor and you've got to pick these bridge sections up and drop them down and then go back to the thing and just you flip around and you've got to land every now and again to repair the ship and get more ammo. There's a decent idea here. There's something quite interesting here, but it's just not very good. The shooting is really dull. You know, if this is a shoot em up, you've controlled this kind of, I don't know what it is, this rocket type thing, this like sort of Flash Gordon style rocket ship thing. You've got to build this bridge and and I thought that and then your, your buggy, you go back on your buggy and then the buggy's wheels extend and it can move along the landscape a bit further, but mine got trapped in a hole and I didn't really know what was happening at that point. And it's really insipid visual the, the sounds are terrible and there's there's an idea here that somebody had you know these kind of picking stuff up choplifter style and dropping them off or you know dra- you know moving bits of landscape around to fix stuff moon patrol with this kind of thing and this wraparound defender style stuff and there's like there's elements here that, that none of it unfortunately really comes together to make a cohesive whole in any way that you'd actually want to play so my final comment on this was just, just the ambition far outstrips the ability to pull it off I don't know what, what did you think did you get on with it or any, no, any further perfectly on? good summary I agree with everything you've said I found it too hard 
again, these games with sort of crazy difficulty. This is made by a rabbit, wasn't it? So this was not made by a rabbit. That would be that would be impressive. <laughs> it was made by Rabbit Software, yeah. who were taken yeah, over, bought by Virgin. Rabbit, if you remember, famously made Trooper Truck. I don't know if you remember that we talked about that in episode zero, the, the crap vert for the Trooper Truck. So there's elements of Moon Buggy in there. There's that weird sort of scrambly mixture. But like you say, none of the good things of any of those and none of the finesse or finishing of any of those quality games that's required here, which means it's just difficult and unnecessarily so. And, you know, there's better games out there. For a game that's essentially, you know, because I quite like that, the way the, the legs stretched on the buggy when you went over the landscape. I thought, oh, that's quite yeah. a neat little thing. But that's yeah. the only thing I found after that, you no. Know, taking off with the rocket i started shooting things i thought okay there's something in this and then for some reason it stopped me from being able to because i damaged my vehicle i couldn't actually turn around and shoot and i couldn't land and i couldn't do anything boom and i just thought you know stop making games that make it difficult for me to do the very thing you want me to do you make a game so that people can play it so that people can achieve get scores and whatever that dynamic is that you're aiming to provide for the player don't make it impossible because what's the point What's the point in making games that are so hard like this? And it, and it is ridiculously hard. You, I definitely want to get off the first level if you even make it that far. But if you do, you're not going to last on level two. And it's unnecessarily difficult because it's the controls feel like you're fighting after a while. And so there's interesting touches in an otherwise dull game with very little to offer. So, you know, they gave it, what, 40 odd percent around. I think that I would agree it's probably high that from, from what I, my experience of it. I didn't enjoy it. So it's a, another budget disaster. They are roulettes, though. They are Russian roulette, these budget games. That, that is true. When I was pulling the games together for this sort of thing, by the way, and I was reading the review of this, have you looked at the screenshot that's on the page for this episode? Yeah, is, is that the screen for this game? No, I don't know what that is. Um, it made me question whether I've got the right game, but the reading the description was like, oh, it is the right game, but what, I have no idea what that, no, what that screenshot strange. is. strange. It's like some kind of Mr. Men under a tree with a floating question mark. I don't know what, what is that, that is. Snail? I don't know. Look in the letters section next next (laughs) month and see what somebody thought of that. But yeah, but that isn't the game. But it's graphically, it was unimpressive anyway. So yeah, it was. I mean, the the main sprite itself wasn't that great. The the enemies weren't that great. The moon buggy thing was okay. And like you said, it did seem nice when the the, the wheel stretched a bit and you thought, okay. You tried to figure out and you tried to figure out where to drop the the bridge bit. But what could have been all right, just it never came together. For the mysterious price of $3.99. It's not mm. quite budget and it's not quite it's not quite cheap. It's just outside of pocket money range for most, that so it is, yeah. I mean that's my full paper round money. Yeah, actually, yeah. Back then it would have been all your money in one. Would you have been Four happy quid. if you'd have rushed to the shop and eagerly bought your copy of Zyto and then got home and loaded that up and gone, right, okay, so it's moon buggy with scramble mixed in for no reason and it's awful. No, no, no. I wouldn't have been happy. That would have been going back to the shop with the uh, this didn't load. <laughs> it didn't load, mister. Won't load on my <laughs> tape deck. <laughs> and then got a screwdriver to change the azimuth. Yes, <laughs> alter the legendary and mysterious azimuth. The azimuth. <laughs> I reckon. The, I reckon that one is real name. I just think that was a character from a, uh, an adventure game. Yeah, or perhaps the ancient no, night Mayan god that the people who made that tape deck <laughs> pray to at night. Azimuth, praise you azimuth. To, you have to poke the azimuth with your screwdriver. <laughs> you poke your own azimuth. <laughs> okay, I will do. <laughs> Later, Zoltan, later. <laughs> later. <laughs> oh, Zoltan. How did Dracula? It was better than this shit. Yep. Uh, Zyto, let, let's move on. Zyto, Noto. And up next, well, it doesn't get better. Uh, not right now, anyway. <laughs> um, I say that a lot. 
I've realised it, it's the, just because it, it, it's the it's way just, of things. It, when people say, "What's your What's your podcast about?" Well, I just say, you know, it don't get better. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in this case, anyway. I don't even know how to pronounce. Is this Doriath? 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 I'd say it's like Goliath, so it's Doriath, I think. Doriath. Okay, so uh, Graham, tell us, tell us in detail about Doriath. Yeah. Okay. Side view. It's a, it's a, so I, there's two ways I've written this. You can either say it's a side view action adventure platform game or a blocky wizard based multi screen arcade adventure. You know, you choose. Um, so it's the place that you're in. The, it's a vast, guess what? A vast underground maze called Doriath. And guess what you've got to do? Wander around <laughs> um, uh. in a, a non linear fashion, apparently. Um, yeah, co- controlling true. the player uh, who's a wizard. Yeah, you move, you move around. The basic moving, uh, running, and jumping. Make note of the jumping part because you're going to be doing a lot of jumping. That's handled with the joystick, um, and you got spells that you can use by pressing the fire button. So, kind of basic controls. The ultimate goal of this game is to retrieve the coronet, um, and you got to find eight pieces of the Riddle Scroll of Worsley. <laughs> <laughs> making this up this is true I'm which going to, I'm going to do that in the next episode with uh, some with, 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 with better with better namage <laughs> I warn you now <laughs> but uh, so if you do assemble the eight pieces of the, the riddle scroll of Worsley <laughs> you'll get the coronet's location and you can get the coronet and then everything else so you've got a wisdom meter which you've got uh, which you must increase to 100% by acquiring the items that are around the caves um, and that changes the so you get the idea so there's dragons, there's monsters around. It had a blocky, rudimentary graphic quality that reminded me of BBC Micro, BBC Model B Micro games. It's a bit like Citadel in that respect, although Citadel's way better than this. But it reminded me of that. So you've got to go around. There's boss monsters and there's, that require certain spells to defeat. You can pick up potions and, and that sort of stuff. So it's an explore the caverns game uh, with blocky graphics. You've got an inventory which you can control to do certain stuff. Cast spells. So it's a bit wizardry-like, but not in a... Thank God, not in an isometric you know, game with a welder. And that's really what there is to this. So it's in that kind of sort of entombed Black Witch um, blocky sort of style. So there is some detail. There's actually some nice little bits of animation here and there in this game. Weirdly enough, there is. But it just feels a bit like a, a poor version of those. So nice animate touches, but the controls were a bit limp and unfriendly. And the game just felt a bit, you know, I've seen this kind of game a dozen times. Is it awful? It's not terrible, terrible, but, you know, it's just another blocky collector shooty wizardy find the thing do the stuff you know screen by screen by screen arcade adventure of which we've seen a million of um and so is mm-hmm. it you know th- but there's better ones than this so that was my view dariath um i was not going to spend a lot of time wandering the halls of dariath i've met a dragon though which was quite of exciting but it was a massive blocky blocky mass it like duplo a duplo yeah. dragon so. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you can meet him if you just walk straight left, don't you, at the very beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's my highlight. You walk into the dragon and get killed instantly. You're like, oh, don't do that. It was a dragon, so I just turned tail and ran immediately. Yeah, uh, well, this that's is, the best way. I, I just thought this was a crap Elodon. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's what I mean. It's just you know, play Elodon if you're going to play it. Yeah, the uh, fantasy flip screen adventure thing with awful visuals and sound and controls. You get damaged by drops of water from the ceiling. Yeah, well animated drops though. Well, uh, overly animated, I thought. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, the inability to fire and move renders it almost impossible to progress, especially when the homing yellow wizards with blue stars appear. You know, the idea of stopping them. But I just no. It was a game that left me flummoxed. I don't yeah. use that word very often as to what I had played. Uh, at first, I thought I thought this could be okay when I picked up. A- found a key and so opened a, opened a portcullis and did some stuff 
But the actual controls and the way the combat work, no, it's just really dull, boring. Annoying jump. Oh, the jump. Oh, that <laughs> jump. Because you start off in that first cave sort of thing, and there is what looks like fire on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't hurt you, but no. a drop of water from the ceiling, that, no. will, that, will, that will render you powerless, dear boy. Yeah, instant death. Yeah, ridiculousness. Yeah, don't play this. No. Nope. It, it's not one to go back to. So whether whatever it's called, Darius, Darius, it's just no. No, 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 Darius. No, just... No. And we say that a lot, but yeah, it was, uh, it was crap. And good luck if you do plan on finding the Riddle Scroll of Worsley. Well, to be fair, sort of thing, this would have been better if it was the Riddle Scroll of Worsel, um, yes. and that are based it around Worsel Gummidge and with, you know, trying to rescue wow. Aunt Sally or something. Gummidge the game, that would have been, yeah. And he would have yeah, been absolutely. afraid of, he wouldn't have been able to walk through the flames, would he? That would have been horrific. It have just burst into flames and a screaming scarecrow in the first two seconds of a game is upsetting is there a Wurzel gummage game because i'm feeling something there's, there's an opportunity or something to you know put different heads on for different abilities <laughs> do you know what i don't know why he could change his head what was the point because he's a scarecrow it was it for different <laughs> occasions it was it did it yeah, his, Chris, his, his christmas he's got his head clever head on he's got his one for sunday uh, best sunday best head <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. That would have made a different dynamic to this game, you know. Wurzel Gummidge and his multi-headed game, but... The ancient squall of Wurzel. That would you know, have been well, better it would, than this. Can you imagine it? A blocky Wurzel Gummidge running away from fire. Just make the graphic... If it's the same team that's doing this, forget it. I ain't, <laughs> yeah, wondering, I ain't wandering around Doraith as a scarecrow or as a wizard or anyone else. No way. No. Let's move on. Let's move on to something better. Yes. So, our last game uh, of this episode is uh, Zed. Z, Zed, Zed. We're English. It's Zed. Zed. So, Zed, this reviewed well, and I can clearly see why. This is another Chris Butler game. Mm. Uh, We've already looked at a a Chris Butler game in Hyper Circuit, so that was quite good. And so, Chris Butler has taken Hyper Circuit, taken you off rails, and injected a bit of Time Pilot, and Mm. gone for it, really, um, and created a sort of multi-directional shoot them up with a wraparound map where you have to, you know, sci-fi, similar similar, similar graphical style to Hyper, Hyper Circuit, I thought. You know, chunky, chunky sprite, nice and fast, really fast, really fast, mm. really smooth scrolling. Uh, this guy could scroll a screen, you know, he knew how to do that. And, it, and it, it's fast and nice. Plenty of enemies coming at you. So this sees you having to progress through levels. And the way you progress through levels is you shoot enough enemies for a an energy segment or something to appear. You shoot that. And then you can collect it. Once you collect it, that gives you a bomb, which you can then fire at the uh, the middle section of the map, which has a force field going around it, which will knock out a small section of the force field. Rinse and repeat once you've knocked out. Imagine the, the thing that this reminded me of sort of thing was the bit in Bron, where you had to sort of knock out the bits of the, the thing going around, of the, the, the computer bit going around, sort of where you've got your arm and you're firing up. So you're kind of knocking out bits of a, a force field to get through and past. But this is a, you know, a 2D... Very fast, very sharp, very playable shoot 'em up. It's pretty hard. Um, don't get me wrong; it's not easy because there's your you do very little damage for that shield around the central core, central hyperspace thing that will take you to the next level. So you've got to get quite a lot of bombs. The other thing is as well is that you never stop, mm. <laughs> which is tricky because you need to aim at. So you can move in obviously eight directions. So you'll move in all eight directions. So then you've got to kind of line up with the the center thing and fire off a bomb very easy to fire the bomb off wrong it's easy to you know once you start to knock a bit of a hole in it to go through the holes you've already shot which is a waste of a bomb 
there's then you've got, got to go and kill more enemies and carry on sort of thing. It's good. I, I enjoyed it. You can see he's taken Hyper Circuit and just taken the rails off, essentially, because Hyper Circuit was, you know, based around the central premise of a chip in the middle, which had the tracks running around it and going towards it. Uh, I enjoyed this. Um, I, I played quite a bit of it. I, I like this kind of fast shooty game that, you know, is, you know, obvious what you've got to do, but it's challenging and, and plays well, plays fast. Yeah, I, I like this. What did, what did you think? Did you get on with it? Or? Yeah, no, same. Um, really great, really fast-paced. I like Chris Butler's style and the way he programs. He's a, he's a really clever guy. So the game's super scrolling, super fast, plenty to shoot at, doesn't feel too samey with the background, even though it does repeat. It kind of still feels quite fresh when you're zooming around. I think the speed adds to that. It's just a really competent game maker and programmer making a really competent game. It's an almost like a natural progression from Hyper Circuit. So it's it's got like a, a nice sort of follow-on feel from that. It's not a sequel or anything, but it's got that from a game-making sort of point of view. It's kind of the next step on. So there's loads to blast, there's loads, loads to like. The sound effects are great. You know, it's just a, it's a really nice shoot-em-up title that has a little bit of extra purpose with the bombs and having to sort of navigate your way around and fame the bombs and stuff but other than that just you know it's like an arcade it's a nice arcade blaster it's the kind of arcade tone and feel that he had in hyper circuit that we said at the time yeah this this would have made a great arcade he has that knack which is i think why he lended himself to great arcade conversions later down the line so yeah, yeah. um i really really enjoyed it i found myself playing it for quite a while it was like relief compared to some of the other garbage i've had to play so when i got to this <laughs> one i was like actually I, you know i stuck at this one for a bit because even though it's kind of samey a bit it's there's enough variety in the enemies flying around on the screen and attacking you and diving and out to just keep you at it to try and you know when you see the one that you have to shoot that's to collect the bomb you sort of trying to dive your way to it and avoid the enemies i, I found it quite quite good yeah really good so i, I enjoyed it great game great game indeed mm. yeah yeah exactly i mean there's not a lot else to say i mean it is what it is it's a it's a 2d multi-way scrolling shoot up with a with mm. a nice core hook and a nice core mechanic of trying to sort of you know there is a there is an objective, so it's not just score based. It, it is mm. you know you've got to, there's a progression to it. There's there's yeah. a nice range of enemies to shoot that, that have different behaviour, uh, which is quite interesting. Um, and the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the at the most, you know, this is fun. It's fun to yeah. play. Maybe yeah. it did because I just played Zaito and Darius. Yeah. That, you know my, my you know my I wanted some and so maybe I was probably on a low and thought oh this came along and I was like oh thank God. This is actually really good. Your fun batteries had been drained at that point. Yeah, so now this was like an injection of adrenaline. But do you know what? Um, it's again just a nod to Chris Butler here because um, that is a cleverly, you know, that, that pace of that game is, is is mad. And when you look at other games that have scrolling in and you realize that the C64 is more than capable of doing this stuff. So when you see games that have bad scrolling in or problems with it, or don't yeah. quite work out the angles. The ship rotates and flies around at an easy pace, and it's easy to control. It's not an easy game to play in terms that you need to be able to master that control system, but that isn't the reason why this game is hard. It's hard because there's lots to shoot mm -hmm. at, and you can, you know, it's a frantic-paced game, and it's an arcade game, basically, so yeah. great. Yeah, yeah really like good. we said with Hyper Circuit, like we said with Super Pipeline 2, this would have not looked out of place. You know, obviously probably a bit crisper visuals, and a bit more meatier sound sort of thing, but if, uh, if I saw this in an arcade, I would go, yeah, play that yep, that looks good absolutely I did mention it to you sort of thing and just as a, an aside it occurred to me sort of thing in these first eight issues we've looked through this sort of paucity of like scrolling shooters we don't really have many of them do we I mean no. there's drops, drop zone you know which is a defender style thing but you know I, 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 in my head this period of time is replete with you know side scrolling either vertical or horizontal shooters sort of thing but we've, we've barely had any I don't, I don't think we've had no. one have we um, which is no. strange because it's, it's weird going back and looking looking because obviously we're, we're coming to the end of 1985 um, and you would have thought there would have been some some of them somewhere there's maybe Minter no. stuff but even then there's not 
not a classic vertical or you know sideways you know sideways scrolling. I find that no, quite strange. Let's say you've got drop zone, I suppose, and there's, there's the odd one, but vertical shooter can't think of any. I mean, I suppose you've got Raid Over Moscow, really, kind of. Um, and you, what was that one that we played with the little spider creature in? But even yeah. then, that's, that wasn't really a shoot 'em up, though, was it? Pathfinder. Yeah, but that wasn't really a shmup, was it? A good old fashioned shmupper. There's a couple of sections in, say, you know, this the helicopter section in Beachhead Two. There's Beachhead yeah. Two. Uh, but there's little sections, but no. But in my head, I, I think obviously they must come later. But your games like R Type, Salamander, or you know, yeah, those, yeah, they come those later. Kind of, those kind of things. I, I just thought that those kind of games were just maybe no one's just got the conversion, or nobody sort of figured it yet. Maybe they're starting to figure out how to do more than eight sprites on the screen, and because you know yeah. some of those games are going to be no fun if you've got just a few sprites hanging around. Um, yeah. So maybe they're figuring that out, that that piece out. I don't know. I don't know. But you're right. But the more do come. I think. Yeah, I know. I know for a fact we've got things like Sanction and Delta to go <laughs> yeah, off the top Warhawk, of my head. Warhawk. Warhawk and things like Force. Yeah. Um, we'll start to see them. But I, ju- I just wanted to sort of say something just mm. as we're wrapping up um, 1985. Um, obviously, we've got the second part next week. But just struck me in Zed. That's why Zed stands out because yeah. you know, it's a balls out shooter. And of course, there is that famous statement that Jack Trammell of Commodore said in 1985, which is, if anyone makes a shoot up for Commodore 64, I'm going to have them murdered. <laughs> so that might have oh, had yeah, something for, to do oh, with it. We forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> when, when the Trammell clause. Especially <laughs> 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 in December. You know, yeah, there's, only one, like... there's only one clause you want in, in December. <laughs> yes. The last one you want is the Trammell clause. Who's <laughs> 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 come down my chimney? Oh, no, it's Jack Trammell. <laughs> it's Jack Trammell. <laughs> He's, he's trying to sell me calculators. Me. <laughs> he's going to shoot me because I've done a vertical scroll and shoot him up. A jack attack. Yeah, it'd be a jack attack. Oh, dear. Jack Trammell. <laughs> God bless him. All right, there we go. Um, that's that's dead. We like it. Go play it. That is fun. Let's move on because we're going to round up this episode with some crap for quick round up and tell you what's coming up uh, next week for this little bit right now. So our crap bird. Let's have a look at what of our crap verts. They're not well, a couple of them are crap. They're not they're getting better, that's the thing. So it's getting weirder to look at these adverts, but so much is downright weird. Um so I think you can see the first one is for a game we will be looking at next week. Uh, and that's for Ace. Mm. Um and now Ace is an air combat simulator. Um and, and fair enough sort of thing, the major thing on, on this advert is, you know, a jet fighter. Yes. But he's flying away from Tetris blocks. it's the best i can describe it colored blocks in the background behind him and it says at last you can really fly with three exclamation marks which means you could really fly yeah um the the ultimate air combat simulator get it ace um air combat emulator sorry that'll be act um ace you will feel the thrill of flying a high performance combat thing but i just that i can't i don't get the, the the blocks no, I I'm, don't. I'm not, sure I don't what, I'm not sure what the graphic design thought process is there. You, you're a bit more of a graphic designer <laughs> than me. You, you it, tell me. <laughs> even I'm not. I think it's it's meant. Well, there's two things really. Firstly, it weirdly looks like it's running away from the Channel Four logo as it's about to form. <laughs> yes, that's true. So you know, maybe it's that. So that's so no flight deadly Channel Four logo and under attack. It does look like a sort of Tetris attack. I don't get it. I don't know why they wouldn't just put clouds and another an airplane in the distance shooting at it or something, make it more lively and exciting and yeah, a little bit more like what you'd expect to see in an aircraft in the sky as opposed to one that's in some trapped in some kind of Tetris void. Yeah, um, the only so thing I, can I don't think, know. Think of is if you look at the Cascade logo, there's kind of lots of 
colored squares yeah. blocks around it. So maybe it's a 3D representation that it's trying to get away from. I yeah, I, I think I think so. And it's it's weird. The, the airplane's really nicely drawn as well, which is what baffles yeah, yeah. me is. But it's also it's monochromatic as well. Which it is. I think it's the only thing he could draw. <laughs> and they said, "So can you draw? So can you draw so, something else? You know, something in the background? Nah, I can. I could draw one monochromatic airplane a month, and that's it. After <laughs> that, I'm draw, just color blocks. I can draw cubes in perspective. Yeah. So I don't get. I don't get it. I, I tell you what, it does feel like. It feels like that they gave that to, job to somebody, and he bro- gave them an airplane, and that's all he gave them. So they're like, "Oh, great." So we've got. And it feels looks to me like a bolted together advert. That. Yeah, because I don't like the way the ace is on that right, reading no. downward. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? And no, this we'll find out with the game. It's not the only thing that doesn't make a lot of sense, but... Um, all right, so that's Ace. Uh, get, get Fighter, Chase by Tetris, or Channel 4 logo. And make of it what you will. Um, we've got a couple of games to look at from Electric Dreams. We looked at one of the adverts. Oh, that this logo of theirs. This carries on that triangular madness. Oh, um, look at it. More live wire hits from the computer dreamland. We, we're going to play a couple of the games um, in the next episode, and it's not a dreamland I would ever want to go to, uh, if that's what's coming out of it, I have to say. Um, so, spoilers ahoy. Two exciting games in each amazing package. Superb value for money price of only nine ninety nine. Um What are these? What is this rubbish? Nuclear Nick and Scooter in one package. <laughs> and Ollie's Follies and Beer Belly Burt's Brewbiz. <laughs> There's a time and a place for alliteration. <laughs> and that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. Everything oh, about that's... the advert screams cheap, tacky rubbish. Everything about it. The whole lot. The weird. The fact that there's a baseball player stood on an escalator is weird. In a t- going through a time warp. <laughs> going through a time warp. The fact that there's a, uh, a guy... <laughs> an action, clearly, an yeah, nuclear. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, a, a nuclear accident. You know, clearly <laughs> awful. Um, you know, there's nothing. You know, I've watched Chernobyl. There's nothing funny about a nuclear accident. You no, know, it's these like, these. He's going to die in horrific agony of radiation poisoning. It's an awful end to him. So yep. no wonder he's looking kind of perturbed at his glowing, whatever they are, dots. But we we queried um, last last time when we looked at the uh, the two first spies demise and spies whatever it is spy strikes back. Why there was no screenshot? And this is a similar thing. Uh, yeah, there are no and we're going to find out. Either. And I've got. Yeah, after playing Spice Demise and Spice Strikes Back, oh. there's a reason there's no screenshot. Yeah, there is. Absolutely, there is a reason, as we'll discuss <laughs> so I, later. I've, I've got a feeling that this is the same sort yeah. of thing, and that's why I included this in here because I played those games and I thought, this. What are they thinking? Two games or something? It's still. We've said this before about things. Two turds is not better than one turd. No, and this is four turds. So, <laughs> um, and we're confused with the four. You know, even the games. Just taking those games. Because I know they're going to be crap. I know. I don't even need to play those games to know that. I can just see it from this tacky nonsense. However, just the fact that they've got those awful, and I hesitate to call them pieces of art, um, in those little squares. Why put a blue-coloured writing with a red splodge and a red arrow pointing at the games so you know their names on a grey background so it's borderline unreadable with yellow triangles everywhere with a chunk taken and it's not their logo because it's just, it's just everything about it is annoying. Everything. Well, if you notice, there's they've obviously forgotten to put the, the words on the posters because the, those blue words are not on the ones on the right. No, exactly. So they're just, they're, it's, it doesn't, you know, you, you're looking for something to make sense 
Um, why would you even refer to these as live wire hits? It doesn't mean anything from the computer dreamland. What? What? Are they, you know, are they smoking crack when they <laughs> make these adverts? And that somebody, somebody approved that. Somebody well, in a it- QA process in a marketing department went, you know what? I think you've cracked it, mate. That, that uh, we're going to sell more of these four games than any others because of that. Well, it's electric dreams, I guess. And so they're yeah. playing on that terminology, aren't they? But either way, I'm not holding out much hope for this. But I'll tell you terrible. what, if you dream in electric or otherwise of that monstrosity, <laughs> then you want, you know, you want to be waking yourself up and cold showering and getting it out of your head. Doctor, I keep dreaming of a baseball player on an escalator. <laughs> I keep dreaming of it. What's it mean, Doctor? What does it, it mean? It's going to a time warp. <laughs> I keep imagining myself playing a game called Beer Belly Burt's Brew Biz. <laughs> I don't get I don't get what it means. Make it I into a expect, game. Make that into a I game just, for God's sake. I just expect to be slapped and shown the door. And I'm telling you now, superb value for money price at nine ninety nine, that ain't. That's the five quid is too much. Too much. No, five pence rather, would be too much. I'd rather buy five Kickstarts. Yeah, absolutely. I'd rather help Mastertronic by buying five of their one game because it would push it up into the chart and do those programmers a world of good than reward yeah. Electric Dreams for turning out this turd nonsense. Yeah. No, they just shit into a tape case and handed it to me. That's what that is. Twice. Yeah, if you haven't guessed sort of thing, when we do look at Spy's Demise and Spy Strikes Back next episode, we don't like them. <laughs> So just a preview, yeah. yeah. Just a yeah. hint. If, if you're sat here on Tentooks going, oh my God, I wonder what they thought to Spice Demise and Spice Strike Back. We don't. <laughs> don't yeah, don't, you're, don't, you're going to love wait. it. You're going to love it, yeah. Just, 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 just go and do something else instead, yes. rather than worrying about that. Anyway, yes. yeah, Electric Dreams with more crap adverts, more, probably more crap games. Yep. Um, and the last one. Well, no, okay. It, this is a, you know, this is going to be a great game. We know this is a great game. This is International Karate, but there's, there's stuff wrong with this advert. That, uh, yeah. that, that, pain, that pains me. I don't like the shattered karate writing. Um, no, 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 d- 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 It's underneath international. There's um, the representation of the things. It's okay. What gets me is I can't work out, you know, what, what's he trying to do with his leg? Because <laughs> his, his knee seems bent all wrong. There's just, there's, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't know what karate move that is. Um, it seems all kind of weirdly wrong. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we looked at bad human anatomy stuff previously when we looked at things like Amazon Warrior and uh, Knockout. Um, and whilst this isn't quite in that realm, it, it, it it's not far off. <laughs> no. Well, it's going to be a great game, as we know. That game, that advert so, didn't sell it. Some mysteries, aren't they, about this cover? So there are some mysteries. <laughs> why why is Saturn so close to the Earth? I don't know. Oh, yeah. It just, it just is. That. just is. Um, so, and has absolutely nothing to do with this game whatsoever. Nothing. There's no, there's no part in that game where you're in some kind of space camp on another planet ever. So just taking that aside, that System 3 logo is really weird because that changes to a different logo later. So that System 3 logo is weird. It's just, it's like it's uh, punched out on a metal badge. And can I just say, I'm seeing there a beveled emboss. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, and that's making me making my throat itch a bit. I'm getting. I have a. I have allergic reaction to that, and also it's got that. It, it almost looks like a. It's not a pillow embossed quite, but that system three. It's, it's making me feel uneasy to say the least. Um, so, so I'm trying not to look at that. Um, now, what's weird about that? Well, as you rightly point out, anatomy aside from these problems that they have, you know, I've I've 
I've done karate in my youth. I don't do it now, obviously, but I've done it before. And I can tell you, if you're facing your opponent, and as they do in this game, the last thing you would do is kind of stand to the left of your opponent as he kicks and do a sort of side karate chop to his throat. Um, you're going to block that kick using the blocks, which, strangely enough, you do in the game. Um, you would block that using a, a block, um, and then you would counterattack using punch. And if he's doing that move, you know what move you're going to do to counterattack that. That's a punch to the cock. That's a guess. <laughs> That is going to be a punch directly to his ball sack, and that's going to take him down, which it does in the game. Um, so that's what's going to happen. So you wouldn't instinctively, if someone does that kind of move, and I don't know where, not only do I know where that move is, I think he's also, is he one-armed, that guy in the red suit? Because he looks like a one-armed karate expert for me, because his arms disappeared, or it's behind a pyramid. I don't know where it's gone. I don't know. So assuming that he isn't one-armed, let's say even if he's two-armed, you're not going to do a... And, he, and he's also punching him to the side side of his neck. So it's a, yeah. No, and that's actually a foul move. You can't punch in the neck in karate. It's not, <laughs> you can't do that. Um, and he also looks a bit like Shaking Stevens in a weird way. <laughs> so I'm wondering maybe, whether the, the guy maybe, hated Shaking Stevens, so he just drew an image of someone just smashing him right in his stupid Shaking Stevens <laughs> singing throat. Maybe that's why the word karate is all shaking. Exactly. This old house is no good for you. You're going, out, you're going through that green door and you're done. <laughs> And so that's what I think what we're actually witnessing there is a visual representation of the takedown of Shaking Stevens. <laughs> um, and that's why it's uh, not just a international thing, but a universal thing, because he was Saturn. universally low. So even the people of the poor people who live on Saturn had to witness the takedown of Shaking Stevens in that vicious and nasty punch to his singing, stupid singing throat. Yeah. Um, that's my, like that's, my, that's my interpretation of that. But, you know, I, I could just be reading more into it than there actually is. But I didn't realise that it was £6.50 of international karate, which is very impressive. The other thing as well, which is strange about this sort of thing, is if we look at the flags in the background and the arc, correct me if I'm wrong, sort of thing, but we've got America, Japan, the UK, uh, Australia and Brazil. Yeah. I think are the five flags represented yeah. there. The four images we've got are Statue of Liberty, yeah. America, New York, yeah. Yeah. Big Ben. Yeah. Uh, UK. Uh, then yeah. we've got uh, the, the Jesus, uh, the Statue of Jesus from Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. The Brazil. Okay. And we've got the pyramid. That's Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think the pyramids are in Japan or Australia. We've got no representation of And it's not like there's nothing like, you know, there's a few iconic things in Australia and Japan <laughs> that could have been included rather than the pyramid. Yeah. Um, you know, Mount Fuji, uh, maybe. Uh, Sydney Opera House. Perhaps. Yes. She's actually in the game, I think, in isn't it? In the game? It? Yeah, <laughs> yeah makes sense. I think so. Do you know, uh, and also, why are they so high up? You know, th- they're in they're the not, clouds as well. I know, yeah, that's what I mean. They're, 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 they're really high up because they're, they're right at the top of Big Ben. They're in the top of those pyramids and they're up the top of the, the Statue of Liberty there, you know. I suppose it'd be more interesting than seeing essentially what would be a doorway and some feet. See, I'm thinking that this advert is, is trying to imply some kind of strange... Um, Mortal Kombat style sort of storylines, this sort of thing, where these fighters have been taken to another realm, <laughs> along yeah. with, along with, um, you know, uh, landmarks from around the country and made to fight for their Saturn elders <laughs> in, in the clouds. That's what I'm reading from this advert. Yeah, actually, yeah, uh, you might end up fighting the Statue of Liberty in that as well. Oh yeah, or the or the Statue of Jesus might come down and you know, you know, low kick you. I mean, I like because <laughs> Jesus dig. was famous for that. <laughs> I like the little dig they're having at uh, Way of the Exploding Fist as well there, and you thought you'd seen a karate game. I quite like I like the cheekiness of it, but you know what? 
And they have chosen that awful... That font is actually, I think, called Shatter, believe it or not. So, and that would have been more applicable to the um, schizophrenia game, that kind of that kind of writing. Yeah, Karate would, maybe. No, it would have been... But then again, you know what? If they hadn't have chosen that, they'd have chosen that... You know, what we've called it before, that kind of kung fu font. It would have been that. It would have been exactly that. So, no... There's a whole, there's a whole other reading of this advert, and I think we've done it. I think we've cracked it. Now, yeah, the mystery is. is why Big Ben is uh, <laughs> fixed at about uh, five to eleven, ten to eleven. Don't know. Maybe <laughs> that's key time in that game. Who knows? I don't know. And the uh, Statue of Liberty's jaw is uh, that's a thing. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> I didn't realise that the Statue of Liberty had uh, when he was the sculptor who, or the sculptors that made that. It must have been a really windy day when they made it because you know. <laughs> That's uh, they really they really did get the wind effect on that sculpt in there. It's incredible. Oh, that flame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that really does look like it was windy. <laughs> that statue is massive as well in real life, which really small compared to the statue. <laughs> yeah, that's like a really that's the micro version. Yeah, that's that's the, the one you'd buy from the uh, gift shop. <laughs> it the is, back. It totally is. Yeah. That's gift the, shop Jesus. That's the gift shop. Gift shop Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Take home for your friends. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Right. So there's your crap vert. Um, we'll have more next week for you. Uh, Ace flying away from Tetris block. Crap from Electric Dreams and uh, fighting for the pleasure of the people on Saturn. Uh, <laughs> international karate. Um, right. That, that's your lot for this week. We have looked at what games have we looked at? Well, we've looked at quite a lot. Uh, we've looked at Garabeus. We've looked at Frank Bruno's boxing, Top of the Copper, Schizophrenia. Uh, we've looked at Batalix, Zyto, Dorias, and Zed. So those some good stuff, some bad stuff, and some incomprehensible, que- incomprehensibly questionable stuff. Uh, what have we got next week lined up? Well, we've got things like Who Dares Wins 2, uh, which will probably lead to some discussion around Who Dares Wins and Commando and the entire debacle around that which is strange. We've we've mentioned them, Spies Demise, Spice Strikes Back. Uh, we've got more Rupert. Uh, we've also got more adventures of Sir Arthur Pendragon and fighting off the crazy comets along with other stuff. So if you like what you hear, join us next week where we'll be discussing them. Uh, I've been Adrian Mills. I have been Graham Raddings. You have indeed. Uh, this has been Zap to the Past. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. Toodaloo. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, sights, sounds and news from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at the time. We will be back next week with another podcast, so do please join us. Until then, please head over to zaptothepast.com to sign up to our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You will also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under Zap to the Past. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe and see you next time.